0: This is the 10 Minute Contrarian Podcast. This is VP. We are a solutions based podcast diving into the world of contrarian investing and alternative finance. You can find us hosted on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, nononsenseforex.com, and podcast players everywhere. Episode 70 is brought to us by Blueberry Markets. If you are outside of the United States and you are not using Blueberry Markets, I'm not sure what you're doing. You can trade Forex and metals, and the top 50 most traded American stocks, and crypto, and you can do it all on here, and with the world's best customer service, which yes, it does mean something. It means a lot. You don't need it until you do. So what I want you to do is go down to the description and click on the link to my blog post. The blog post will tell you everything you need to know, so there's no questions unanswered. Then, at the bottom of that blog post is my affiliate link. Click on that link, and not only will you get double the sign up bonus you were able to get before, you will get your own personal customer service representative that is there anytime you need them. You know, these things you cannot put a price on. If you're inside the United States, I got a great broker for you as well. Check the description down below for that. It is the 10 Minute Contrarian podcast, and I need to start this episode off with a correction. Uh, But before I do that, let me tell you how this is going to go, because you might be wondering, well, you already spoke about this last week, why is there a part two? Well, for a couple reasons, because I need to mention the correction and expand on that a bit, and then there are a couple more items out there that I think can be great alpha during a time where alpha is going to be very, very hard to find, and the entire world is curling up and trying to play defense, which again, we should all be focusing on, but If there's alpha out there to be had, we need to know where it is because many of us may want to go that route, myself included. Now, these are obviously not going to be things you're going to be putting your entire bankroll on, but as I've said before, if you simply understand how to play defense and you tread water and you survive during these times, you are going to incrementally creep over on the right side of the great wealth transfer and you will also slowly be moving up the food chain. Simply by not losing your ass like everybody else will be doing. But if there is alpha to be had, we need to find it. And if it takes us two episodes to get there, then that's what we're going to do. So let's go ahead and start with that correction. And the correction was on last week's episode. When I spoke about oil, I had brought up John Polomny's podcast. Now, people in the comments were asking what that podcast is because, you know, it's sometimes tough to make out the last name when I say it. It's called John Polomny's Actionable Intelligence Alert podcast. If you guys are interested in checking it out, I highly recommend it for anything involving energy. So oil, natural gas, uranium, copper, things like that. You know, I think there is no better place to be. Uh, But John Palmney actually came on to my comment section and made a comment and said, Hey, thanks for the shout out. However, one point of clarification, actually, so I don't end up uh, misquoting him. Let me go ahead and just read it straight off to you. Let me find it. Here it is. Energy outperforms during inflationary cycles. Nevertheless, energy is and should continue to outperform during this particular economic down cycle for several unique circumstances, such as chronic underinvestment, sanctions on Russia, negative zeitgeist towards fossil fuels, and several others. So yes, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, There was also another commenter on YouTube. The YouTube comment section in last week was very, very good. Very high quality. Nice job, guys. Um, Saying, hey... I don't know why you're saying it goes up during a recession. It normally goes down. You know, just you know, look no further than the, the GFC back in 2008. And he is correct. Um, I looked back then, and it would have helped if I would have been investing back then. I would have remembered this, but that's just right before I started getting interested in all this stuff. And you can see oil pretty much goes straight up and peak right around 2008 and then take a sharp drop off down. So allow me to expand on both of these. Um, John is absolutely right, and I was wrong. It doesn't historically go up in times of economic downturn. If anything, it's historically gone down. What it does do, as far as oil stocks at least, is historically go up during times of high inflation, which I actually should have remembered because we have talked about that on this podcast. You know, we're 70 episodes in, contrarians. I'm allowed to slip up every once in a while. Uh, but I should have really known that, and I dropped the ball on that, so mea culpa there. However, John and I are both still very bullish on oil going forward. You know, for all the reasons John mentioned, plus you know, something I've been talking about on this podcast for a while, we have been draining the strategic oil reserves in the United States to simply win over votes, and in some measures it's actually working, which is heartbreaking. You know, you would expect people who are politically more towards the middle to to be generally more intelligent than people that have allowed themselves to fall into one of the fringes, but you know, here we are. And like I s- predicted, not even a week ago, I had a feeling that you know, the Biden administration was going to try and go ahead and go ahead and refill those reserves at a cheaper price after they have driven that price down. And it looks like that's what he tried to do, but he tried to go to OPEC to buy their oil to fill those reserves. Now OPEC. Is pretty crafty when they have the stronger hand. When they have a weaker hand, they typically sit back and don't make a lot of noise. But when they know they got you, they know they got you, and they know they they smell weakness in this administration. And they pretty much told Biden, sure, you know, we'll sell you the oil, but not at the price you're thinking. You know, price of poker's gone up. You know, you're gonna have to pay these jacked up premiums. And to my knowledge, so far, we have not taken them up on that offer. Uh, But this news sent the price of oil up this week quite a bit. And so for all those reasons, I am quite bullish on oil during this downturn up until things completely, completely fall apart and travel stops and factories shut down and there is just no longer the demand for oil that we have every day. We still have tons of demand for oil every single day. On top of that, I can't remember where I saw it, but airline flights are back up to 2019 levels before COVID, back when everything was great. So while all of us in the alternative financial space and on money Twitter are yelling and screaming about a recession, the rest of the world hasn't really felt it yet. Because for most people's lifetimes, they have not known a time where they have had to scale back on these things. You know, Europe is just now starting to figure it out. So I still think we're in the very early throes of this. And I think oil is going to do nothing but go up, up until the point where things just completely crash and burn. And most of us are going to know, or at least be able to read the writing on the wall, when that time comes. And then that can be our opportunity to sell. And unless you people are completely in the dark, and those of you who listen to this podcast are not, you're going to know right about when that time is. If anything, I'll tell you. Um, So I still have oil on my list of something where you can generate good alpha during a recessionary period. Once we hit that depressionary period and everybody curls up into a ball, okay, yeah, time to sell. That's obvious. But we'll know. And if we don't know right when it happens, we'll know soon after. Uh, But apart from oil, I want to give you a couple more. Uh, Three more, actually. Who read the blog this week? I told you last episode that once I get a little bit more information, I'll go ahead and give you another piece of alpha um, or future alpha on the blog. And that was going to be on soybeans. Please go read that blog to find out more. Um, And also just being who I am and being the food advocate that I've always been, I did manage to piss off a few vegetarians in the process. That's okay. There's always going to be a divide there. You know, at the end of the day, when it comes to money, we're all on the same team. So carnivore, herbivore, or omnivore, please go read that blog. I think there is some real opportunity there. And let's do two more. Now, this next one is going to be something more towards like the greatest hits because you've heard me talk about this before, but I think it's really time to bring this up again, and I have a reason for it. And that is going to be certain metaverse projects. Now, overall sentiment in the metaverse has been very strange, and I can even tell by the numbers I generate on my podcast and on my channel. But when I came out with those first few metaverse episodes on this podcast, you know, excitement was off the charts and now it's not. Wonder why? I actually really wonder why. Like, did people think they were going to start generating like serious passive income from these things four or five months after the fact? And when I talk about these things, I talk about things, you know, like utility driven NFTs like metaverse land and things like that. The stock's all tanked with everything else. That's fine. that just gives us opportunity down the road. Uh, But I'm a part of about 10 different Discord forums when it comes to actual Metaverse projects. And numbers and excitement and everything is all just completely cratered on all these things compared to where they were back in January. Now, I had mentioned this before that you're going to have this big excitement. Then you're going to have the big initial NFT sale. And then there's going to be a dead period where these projects actually have to get developed, And this is kind of new territory. It's going to take a while, especially for these, you know, maybe not first generation, but second generation metaverses to come out. And how much is excitement going to drop? Uh, Well, it has dropped a lot. You know, a part of it is because the market dropped too. But when things like this happen, opportunity, the, the same opportunity you had back in January when I was really first talking about a lot of this stuff, and maybe even before January, there is so much more of it now at prices that are so much cheaper than you would have gotten before. And yeah, it's a bummer we didn't nail the timing back in January, but how can you not like where it is now? Now, I follow many projects, and I'm invested in a good handful of them, and there's two different types. And I've mentioned this before, but let's mention it again. You have your open-world metaverses, which is pretty much just kind of a sandbox, open, you know, buy a plot of land, put whatever you want there, you know, build it and make it your own type of metaverses. And then you have actual play-to-earn games. You know, those are my my two VPs, two categories of what the metaverse brings to the table right now. Now, don't get me wrong. I do like open-world metaverses. I'm invested in two of them in terms of land, Decentraland and Pavia. But I will say that this is going to be a much, much harder game to win. If you just think about what these things are, how popular and how sticky and how amazing these things would have to be to actually win this space and be the one place that everybody wants to go to on a daily or semi-weekly basis, because that's what you're going to need to win this space. You know, it's doable, but it's a tall order. On the other side, play to earn games, I think that's a much easier space to win, and I also think there will be a lot of winners here. You know, If you just make a good game, people will come. And then if you add the commerce into things, to where people can actually make money playing games, how is that not a bullish factor? You know, there's been surveys out there saying that gamers don't want this. Well, there's a lot of things gamers didn't want back in the day. They didn't want to buy their games online and download them. They wanted something they could actually hold in their hand. Well, that went away. And then they didn't want freemium games or games you still had to buy yet pay to upgrade. And maybe they still don't want that, but they still did it. And they still paid tons of money for upgrades and skins and DLCs and things like that. So uh, take these little surveys with a grain of salt, because the opposite usually ends up being the norm. And these crypto-based play-to-earn games are the next generation of one of the largest spaces on earth, and that would be gaming. And think about it. You you used to have to either be so good that you were on an esports team, or be so hardworking and charismatic at the same time that you could actually make a big YouTube channel off of being a gamer. You know, those are the only two ways to really make money playing games back then, and that only applied to such a tiny amount of people. Pretty soon, it's about to apply to everybody, and there is going to be a hierarchy. You know, the people who develop the game and all those people are going to be at the very top, the people who get to own actual land and things and utility inside these games are going to be in the middle and then the players are going to be at the bottom. Now I do plan on playing some of these things if I have time but mostly I plan on being that person in the middle because this opportunity never existed before and here's the thing of why I am so much more excited about it now than I was a couple months ago and that's because Like I said, you have that dead period where there's not a whole lot going on, and these people on Discord really have to find ways to keep people interested. You know, it's like, oh, here's some new NFTs that you can buy, spend more money, or hey, we just partnered with these people. Everybody get all excited about that. You know, it's tough for these guys. I actually do empathize. Um, But for the top three play-to-earn games that I have invested my money and time into, so that's going to be Alluvium on the Ethereum chain and then Cardania and Cornucopius on the, uh, the Cardano blockchain. Two of them, alluvium and Cardania, are actually starting to take shape. You know, no more delay tactics, no more what-ifs, no more we're afraid to give you a date because we know we're probably not going to hit it, you know, none of that stuff. Uh, well, there's some of that. There's always going to be some of that stuff, but a lot less of that stuff because now pieces of these two games are beginning to come out. And you can actually see them coming around and taking shape for the first time. That should be a signal. Anybody who is remotely interested in getting involved in projects like this, but sat on their hands and didn't do it because you were just waiting for a signal. This might be your signal. On top of that, the price of a lot of these land NFTs, at least, have stayed about the same when it comes to pricing in the actual currency, so being priced in Ethereum on Alluvium and being priced in, uh, Car- in ADA on Cardano, since we first started to mention these things, those prices have not fluctuated that much. But what has fluctuated is the price of those actual tokens. When I bought my Alluvium land during the initial land sale, price of Ethereum was right around 1900, maybe a little bit above. You now you're sitting at about thirteen thirty now, you know that is a crazy discount for the exact same thing that I was buying before. You know when you, when you price it in actual United States dollars, back when I was buying uh, Cardania parcels, you know you were looking right about maybe a dollar ten, a dollar twenty, right around that range per ADA. Back when I was buying it, Cardano now is down to forty three cents. You can buy certain plots in Cardania right now for about $25 to $30. I don't know of any other Metaverse project where you can get something that cheap for a play-to-earn game. Now, between the two, to me, there's a little bit more of an unknown factor with Cardania than there is Illuvium. Uh But for those prices, who cares? And the creators of Cardania have been rewarding their landowners with their native token almost ever since, what, probably early summer before that. So at minimum, you can spend twenty-five, thirty dollars and start generating passive income before the game even comes out. Uh, but it does look like the card version of Cardania is getting really close. At least you know we we have all these unopened packs that we bought, and pretty soon we're going to get to open them up and know what's in them. And then the actual card game should not be too far away from that. And then on the Alluvium side, they've had this little mini roadmap that came out maybe not even a month ago, and two of the five. Pieces of that roadmap have already been hit. The third one is the city builder version of Illuvium, which will be what landowners use to not only create uh, fuel for the actual game and every single game that's ever going to come out for alluvium, which is a huge reason to buy land, but also to try and scan for blueprints that make skins. And we've talked about skins before, how popular those are for people. We don't know how well they're going to take for alluvium. They're probably going to be pretty popular. At least I think so, and this is why I'm invested in it. But again, a lot of these things seemed like they were so far off in the distance three, four months ago, but now they're starting to arrive. And no matter how bad things get in the world, people are still going to want to play games, and if they can actually make some money off of these games during a time where it's very hard to make money, they're going to do that. I don't really know if they're going to want to go to an open world and jump and dance around, but I do know they're going to want to play games. And Metaverse Play to Earn is that next generation of these games. Therefore, I think there is going to be some real alpha here. And if you have sat on your hands up until this point, consider taking a bit of action here. And finally, one more bonus piece, um, something that I think is going to do real. I I think all commodities are going to end up doing really well, especially because... You know, deglobalization is finally here. Deglobalization was pretty much another word for cheap products from overseas that is no longer going to happen. You know, I would say in a very short amount of time we have gone to almost beyond the halfway point of deglobalization being officially dead. And one of those commodities that I think is being very much overlooked is cotton. And I've had this on my radar for a while. Now, uh, in the soybeans blog, you saw a video from Peter Zion. He also just came out with one for cotton. I don't just take Peter Zion videos and then make blogs and videos around that, uh, but the timing just worked out to be what it is. But I'll, I'll put that video that Peter made down below in the description if you want to check it out. Um, he, what he mentioned is there's only so many places where you can really grow cotton because it demands so many things, especially so much water to grow. But there are main areas where cotton grows that are going to be affected by environmental factors that is, they're pretty much going to dry up all the water. And if you remember, or if anybody's a geography nerd and you know about the Aral Sea, so that's going to be spelled A-R-A-L space S-E-A. Back in the Soviet era, they used the area now known as Uzbekistan as a place to grow copious amounts of cotton based on the water that was coming out of the Aral Sea. Well, due to mismanagement and the fact that they just didn't realize how much water you need to grow cotton, the Aral Sea is almost completely dried up. It's pretty awful, and pretty horrifying how they were able to take such a large body of water and almost completely dry it up in such a short amount of time. I mean, this used to take tens of thousands of years to do, and they were able to do this in a matter of decades. And so Peter talks about some areas, I think that they're going to be also in Central Asia, that are going to succumb to this, but also Egypt is in a lot of trouble too. You guys all heard of Egyptian cotton, you know, that's one of their biggest exports. And, And this is kind of a weird source, I get this, but I've had two people from Egypt, one was a cab driver, one was somebody else I met when I was in Europe, who confirmed that lately they have, if you have land on the Nile River, And you grow something like cotton or really whatever. The government was actually incentivizing you to close up shop and actually salt the land so nothing could grow there anymore in order to protect the environment. If I have any listeners out there from Egypt who can confirm or deny this, please go to YouTube and put it down in the comments section if you would. Uh, But I was pretty horrified when I heard that. Let's take an area of the world that has been so important for sustaining life for ever since the dawn of human civilization and ruin it in the name of climate change. Man, I hope I'm off on this. I hope I'm wrong. And if I heard it once, I would have written it off. But I heard it twice from actual Egyptians. So this is something else to bear in mind. And I guess the upshot to all this is what Peter was saying is that as is normally going to be the case... The United States is probably going to benefit the most from this because we have the American Southeast Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, Georgia, that still can grow a lot of cotton because of where it is and how much water it gets and all that kind of stuff. But the price, if you have so much of it going away and deglobalization already taking effect, is almost certain to go up by quite a bit. You know, cotton is like copper. There are alternatives, but those alternatives are not very good. And there are certain things we will always need cotton for. You're like, well, one of those things is going to be garments and people are going to stop buying clothes. Well, not really. They'll probably buy less of them. But things that we all need, like uh, like Q-tips, like for half of the world, feminine products, you know, things that are one-use disposable like that. You know, there's nothing better than cotton for products like those. So there will still be a certain level of demand for cotton, but the supply is going to be drying up pretty quick, pardon the pun. And it's just another one of those really unfortunate things, but if we can get ahead of the game as investors, we can take advantage of it. So I want you to put this on your radar too, you don't have to act on it right away, but if you choose to, one of the ways I have found to play it is on the ETF side in the United States. It is the IPATH Series B Bloomberg Cotton Sub Index Total Return ETN, ticker symbol BAL, or just think BAIL. I have not had a chance to dig into this much deeper or find other ways to play it, but I can say that back in May, this thing was trading at about $89, and now it's down to about $58. So those of you looking for deep discounts, look no further. And let's not forget that you guys are all grown-ups and you can do this research on your own. As always, at the end of the day, I am just here to point these opportunities out to you and tell you what I think about them. But understand, I think putting these things on your radar now and even taking action on some of them could be a very good move uh, because especially by the time things get really really bad investing in anything in the hopes of generating any kind of real return is going to seem absolutely crazy but we have been prepared for this and those of us who are actually not only prepared but bold enough to take action will not be seen as crazy you'll be seen as early